Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, beautiful people. I'm so happy you're joining me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I want to first and foremost say a genuine and wholehearted thank you. Life has a way of swallowing up our time and our energy, and I know today you could be doing a lot of other things, so I want to say how grateful I am that you're joining us today. We always want this space to be empowering for women, a place where you can come and hear the truth of God's Word in an unashamed way, and a place where culture is not ignored, but leaned into, a place where we can grow and hopefully learn something new. Hopefully, over the past couple of episodes, you've heard something that has tweaked your interest. We've been talking about becoming the spiritual warriors we are all called to be. I want to start off today's discussion with a passage from Ephesians. This is from uh, chapter 6, verse 12, and it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, that is a lot if you think about it. Clearly, we already know, we've already discussed, we are not fighting people. We are fighting the enemy. But this tells us a bigger picture even than we realized if you really read this verse and take it in. It shows us that there is a hierarchy to this evil. And that it's not just this one big dude called the devil or Satan. This passage tells us that there are rulers of darkness in the heavenly realms. There are spiritual forces of evil. Now, when we talk about our military forces, are we talking about one person? No, we are talking about many people who make up a battalion, a squad, a platoon, a force, lots of them. So we can take from this passage that we are indeed in a battle and it is against forces of evil. Now, for the sake of our conversation, I'm going to call them evil spirits because there's more than one. This past season, personally, has been really challenging for me. I was sharing recently with a friend uh, that I truly feel like I've been and we've been as a family and a church under attack. And she said to me, how do you know that to be true? Now, how do you know that this isn't just like life in a fallen world getting in a way of what you're doing recently? How do you know that? And that is a really, really great question. It's not wise for you and I to try to find a devil or an evil spirit behind every bush we walk past. That is not being discerning. That is just being weird, honestly. And I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that. I like to pray, and then I like to hear what is Holy Spirit showing me and telling me. But then there are times like recently that I know that I know without even very much prayer, I know what it is. How? Because I can see it all around. Generally, when I hear bad reports of sickness, of accidents, of relationships gone awry, of people behaving out of character, of slander and accusations all within a matter of days and weeks, I know 
I know that the enemy has brought the battle to my front yard. It's almost like I cannot catch my breath from the last thing I was praying about before another pops up. Do you know what I'm saying? I like to call those the fiery arrows of the enemy. And they come from all different directions all at the same time and land inside my camp and your camp. I would love to tell you I'm out of that season now, but I'm not. And our church is not. We are in a time of what I will call crossing over. Now, if we remember the story of the Israelites and their crossing over, they got to the bank of the sea and they turned around and there was Pharaoh and there was all the chariots and the horses hot on their tails. They were actually what I would say hemmed in. Have you ever felt hemmed in? You know, like you've turned every direction for help, for relief, for some assistance, and there's just no give anywhere. That's where the Israelites were too. But God parted those waters in the perfect timing. And those same waters that seemed to hem in the Israelites would soon swallow their enemies whole. Now, just a side note to our topic today, anytime you feel this way, just stand in the promise of God, knowing that he is going to bring the breakthrough you need. He will part those waters at the exact right time so you can pass through on dry ground. We are getting ready to do that as a church and a sisterhood. We are crossing over to a place flowing with milk and honey, a place that we haven't yet occupied, but soon will. And the enemy and his forces do not like that. They don't want that to be an easy journey for us, but God is with us and we will pass over on dry ground. So how do we fight these forces and win? Remember, our opening scripture says it's not people that we are fighting. The enemy will often use people so it may seem like you're against a person, but it's not that person. It's an influence that they are being used for, and they may not even be aware of it. So today, I'm going to give you a sure and steady strategy to defeat the enemy and allow you to cross over in your own life in complete victory. The first part of our strategy is put the Word of God in your mouth. Put the Word of God in your mouth. Now, this may be news to you, but the devil and his forces cannot read your mind. They don't know what's inside your heart. They only know what you give them legal access to, and you do that by your words. What are you saying? See, God is omnipotent. The enemy is not. He doesn't know everything. He can only take your words and then use those as a gateway into your life. So let's say you're currently battling fear in an area. How do you use the word of God to defeat that? Well, I'm going to give you an example. You would simply open your mouth and say, fear, to call it by its name. That's what Jesus did. When he was speaking to an evil spirit, he named it. Fear, you are not welcome here. I give no place to you. The word of God tells me that God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I pull the root of fear out of my mind and heart, and I replace it now with perfect love because the word tells me that perfect love casts out all fear. Boom, there is your kill shot. There it is. So unless you begin to speak words of fear, worry, and anxiety all over again, you have now closed the door to that evil spirit and you have disempowered that thing over your life. That leads me to number two, cover with the blood of Jesus. Cover with the blood of Jesus. 
Did you know that Jesus's blood is like kryptonite to evil forces? It really is. The enemy and all his minions cannot cross that bloodline. When Jesus shed his blood for you and me, the blood became the covering of safety and security for us against every scheme of the enemy. When we are faced with an attack of the enemy, we need to plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, our loved ones, and anything we've been given to be in a stewardship over. That may be your home, your cars, your vehicle, your families, your relationships, your community, your business, your church, whatever it is, whatever you've been given stewardship over, plead the precious blood of Jesus over that. It is untouchable beyond that point. When we take communion and we drink the juice, we are identifying with the blood of Jesus being poured out for us. We are once again covering ourselves afresh and anew each time we do that. Most every day of my adult life, I have taken time to plead the blood of Jesus over myself, my children, my marriage, our church, and all we have been given to be stewards over. It reminds me and the enemy who owns my life who is the king, and who is the Lord. And that leads me to the last strategy, number three, and that is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Friends, there is nothing stronger on earth than the name of Jesus, and it holds everything you and I will ever need. His name is truly our victory. This past Sunday, we sang the song, Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. His name means you automatically get put in the winner's seat. The game is truly over at that point. When you pray, always use the precious name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that at that name, every knee will bow Every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord. At his name, every knee will bow above the earth, below the earth, and on the earth. And I sometimes think about this when I'm watching like celebrities and like special famous people kind of marching around like there's something special. I always think, what will that day look like for them when they bow to the name of Jesus? Because the Bible tells us everyone will. So the name of Jesus is what defeats the enemy and his forces over our lives. Sometimes when I haven't known how to fight, I just say the name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus over and over again until I feel breakthrough come into my situation. The last episode, we talked about knowing what we believe. These strategies that I've given you today help us with that. They ground us. They give us a place to fight Uh, to fight from that will render us victorious. Many times when I talk to people, I feel like they're waiting on this magical moment when they're suddenly going to feel like a warrior and then they're going to rise up. And sadly, that's just not how it works. I wish it did work that way because honestly, it would just be much easier. But this is life. Life is not feeling ready, but choosing to step into the arena anyway. Jesus never asked us to feel ready He told us to be ready. Remember the hills. We have to prepare for those things or they will eat us alive. We have to be ready. The strongest warriors I know in Jesus aren't muscular. They're holy and they're righteous in their lives with Christ. Not one of them have perfect circumstances either. None of them do. But I can tell you today that our circumstances don't need to be made right for you and I to walk strong, steady, and sure. 
to become warriors ourselves. Just go ahead and take brave off the table because it's kind of dumb and it doesn't work. It's exhausting trying to be brave, honestly. Just make this decision today to live by your convictions, to know what you believe, and to take the biblical strategies that you need to. You've got this, not because of you or me, but because of Jesus. We've got this because of him. And even in our weakness, there's still work to be done. So determine in your heart today that this thing called life won't be about your circumstances. No, it's going to be about the commitments that you've made to Jesus and then even to yourselves. Do you know that God knew last year what my year would look like this year? And yours too. He knew the darkness would come and try to swallow us whole. He knew that we could take it and we could walk strong as warriors anyway. He knew that Jesus is our survival guide. So you may need to stand and look at yourself in the mirror and say out loud, I'm ready. I am ready. Well, ready for what? You're ready for whatever may come. You and I are ready for the hills because we've done the work, the Jesus work, and gotten ourselves prepared before the battle came to our front door. I want to read a passage to you that I love from the prophet Joel. This is in Joel 2, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 27. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. And the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land and its vanguard into the eastern sea and its rear guard into the western sea, and its stench will arise, and its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green. For the tree has borne its fruit, the fig tree and the vine have yielded in full. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God. For he has given you the early rain for your vindication, and he has poured down for you rain, the early and the latter rain as before. And the threshing floor will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the creeping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the gnawing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall have plenty to eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. That right there, y'all, is a beautiful picture of restoration for all of us, every one of us. I know we talked about restoration when we talked about the book of Nehemiah, but this in Joel, this is a beautiful, literally laid out even in nature, how God is going to restore. He is always so gracious to pull us back to himself, to show us again, here's who you are. Here's who I am. Here's who you are. Here's who I am. And then when you get to Joel 311, this is what it says. Oh Lord, call out your warriors. That's me. That's you. That's us. That's every last one of us. And when he calls, may we answer back, yes, Lord, I'm here. 
Let me pray for you today before we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for a battle plan that works, one that is tried and true as time itself. Thank you for calling us out to be warriors, for reminding us that we are powerful and not pitiful. We repent of the times that we have played small and scared. We ask you to cover that now with the precious blood of Jesus, and we lift our eyes once again to the high places from where our help comes from. We love you, Jesus. We belong to you. We pray all of this in your powerful and matchless name, the name high above every other name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, before you go today, I want to leave you with the tip of the day. Now, this is funny to me. It's funny to me that so many of you, I was actually in the grocery store, not this past week, but the week before, and a girl in the grocery store said, I love listening to your podcast, but I really love the tips of the day, and I've started making notes of them in my phone. I just thought that was so funny. So if there's something else y'all want to hear out there, just let me know. But today's tip comes from another podcaster I was listening to lately, and it is always check in. I'm looking across the studio at my daughter, who's busy on her computer, and she knows this to be true. Always check in. Whether you live alone permanently or whether you will be alone temporarily, It is always a good idea to let somebody know where you are and what you're doing, not because it's anybody else's business, but for safety reasons. When our daughter Bailey graduated high school, she left three weeks later. She was 18 years old to go live in Australia alone for college. So we had so many talks beforehand about safety and precautionary living, you know, like stranger danger, like, like exponentially, you know, big talks about all that. And I even had a code word for her. So if I texted her and my text said something like, how are you today? She could not just say fine. That, that, if, listen, if she had written back fine, I would know that she had been abducted and somebody had her phone, literally. So we had a code word. So I would know that it was truly her and it was not someone who had abducted her, stolen her phone. So we always have required our kids to let us know where they are when they get places or when they get home, even now as adults, during a storm. Or how are they if they've been sick? Like, let somebody know. Recently, I have noticed our precious daughter in love, Amanda, who just has the most nurturing and kind heart. She has started doing it too. I don't know if it's because she's become a mom recently, but when there's bad weather or there's bad news locally, like a shooting or something, we've had that recently happen here. She will send out a text that says something like, how's everybody doing? Is everybody safe and sound? And I love it because it's not just me now checking on all the people. It's for health and safety, but it is necessary. So if you live alone, I hope there's someone who knows your regular coming and goings. If not, I would suggest you find someone you trust to be your check-in. Not because it's anybody else's business, but because if something were to happen, someone would know to come and look for you. So that's my tip for the the day. Check in with your people. They all want to know that you're healthy and safe. Okay, that's all I got for you today. As always, I hope you heard something today new and something good today that you can take and use in your own life. I hope you join me again next time on the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I appreciate you being with me today and can't wait till the next episode together. Until then, go make your life awesome. Mm -hmm.